and welcome to The Current Thing with me, Nick Dixon. And today we have another excellent guest, a returning guest. It's our old friend, Leo Kurz. How are you doing, Leo? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, you were just saying before the before we started recording, why are we having a friendly conversation? Which is the weirdest thing for anyone to say who doesn't understand what that means. But you just mean, because we're comedians and weirdos, we normally just insult each other all day. And you're like, why is Nick being nice? Yeah, it makes me suspicious. Like, <laughs> like you're going to ask me for money or something. <laughs> well, I would ask a Scottish guy for money who's a comedian. Exactly, especially me. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's just so weird. You're like a sort of domestic abuse victim. You're like, why are you being nice to me? What does he want? Have, <laughs> I, really, have I really gaslighted you that much? It, it makes the abuse even worse. Yeah, good point. All right. Well, uh, I mean, it is. I, you, I, you got me in podcast mode. I'm nice to all my guests and I forgot it was you. And that's what yeah. happened. I just need to adjust now and start being a dick. Well, I feel it. Like- in my life, the only time I socialize with people is when I'm actually on a podcast now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good, isn't it? Because they tend to be nicer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and they, have, they, they want something from you, so they have to be nice. It's a great deal. Yeah, I like, I try... go, going back to the abusive husband analogy, it's like hmm. the abusive husbands are always good company when the neighbors are watching. Great point. That's it. And I try, it's kind of like my thing of like paying everyone. Like I have like a personal trainer, a nutritionist, I have like a went to a therapist. I have like a series of people just to keep me like surviving. And they all have are to be nice Mar- to me because I'm you, paying well, them you all. Are you Mariah Carey? How much money are you yeah. making to have like a team of, Tons. like you've got a truck, a truck full of people? Mate, I just work all the time. Don't I? I've got the GB job. I've got my, buy me a coffee <laughs> where people are very generous. I've got um, a yeah. Substack. I've got uh, the thing with Toby, I've got live weekly skeptic shows. All I do is work all the time. Yeah. But it well, all, all goes do, on these things. I'm still end up at zero because I've got so many outgoings. Yeah, all I do is work all the time, but I have a child in nursery four days a week, so that is where all my money goes. Key difference. I've chosen to live a self selfish, empty life. Yeah. Um, well, you just... need to, man, you got you got to fix the population uh, population decline. I'm doing my bit. You're doing your bit. We just did a whole episode on it with Dr. Paul Mullen. He's a demographics yeah. expert, and he went through it all. I admit it. I admit readily. But I think, Leo, by telling people to have kids, I'm at least doing that my bit on a large platform. It's not for me. I'm like the priest. You know, I'm telling people, like, do this, but I have to live the life of a priest. You know, I'm not sort of, I don't do the things I suggest. Like, he says, get married and be fruitful. But he doesn't get married. Yeah. He lives in, like, a monastery or something. That's a monk. Well, that's, yeah, that's 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 ridiculous. No, you got to, like, you got to lead by example. Otherwise, you're just Gary Lineker. I think, yeah, have, have babies. Also, I think, like, the whole thing about babies, the message I got from the media, reading The Guardian and stuff, is that, Having babies is is horrible and disgusting, and it's what uh, white supremacist people do. And uh, being single and being degenerate, using drugs, uh, having casual sex and whatever is is a much more fulfilling and valid life. Uh, and actually, that's bollocks. What what I found is having babies um, is like genuinely like I can't believe how great it is, and I can't believe how like you think babies cry all the time. They don't. They cry like a tiny, tiny. They'll cry like maybe. A couple of times a day, and it's just because they want a hug or they want some food or something. Um, so they're they're dead easy, easy to look after. Uh, but I think there's this narrative: the government doesn't want people to have babies because then people have to come out of the workforce to raise the babies, which costs the money, costs the government GDP, and also growing a person, growing a person from birth. You know, then there's healthcare costs as well because the people have to give birth in a hospital, and then the baby's not ready to do any work until it's like twenty. So you've got 20 years before that baby's contributing economically. It's just a burden on the government. So the government doesn't want people to have kids. It wants to bring in 20-year-olds from Somalia who can already, they're already at working age. And I personally think, you know, we should maybe just have babies. Yeah, well, that, that doesn't work long term, which is what we discussed on the Paul Mullen episode. If we want to keep the current dependency ratio by 2080, if we keep on declining in birth rate at the rate we are, we could end up with plus with 50% plus non-British born people in the country by 2080. And even yeah. if we stay exactly at the rate we are now, it will be a third non-British born by 2080 if we keep the current yeah. dependency ratio, as it's called, of people working to non-work. So we're screwed. Well, so- well yeah, and, and people, you know, the government will say, oh, but it's it's diversity, you know, this is this is great. They're, they're, just as, they're just as British as you or me. But like, you know, when Russia invaded Ukraine, um, it, it didn't have a huge number of immigrants, but they left. They weren't like, I will stand and defend this land. They were like, I'll go to some other land. You know what I mean? So I think if you replace the population, all of a sudden you don't have that 
you know, people have, for the last few decades, we've just heard about the negatives of patriotism and nationalism and stuff like that. But I think we could realize quite soon that actually there's an upside to people uh, feeling some sort of bond, some sort of ancestral connection to the land that they're on. Yeah, I want to address that, actually. I want to skip to one of the topics we were going to do then, which is about not joining the army. Although first, I want to very quickly say two things. One, I'm not Lineker. I'm like Mourinho or someone. I was not a good player. I can still tell other people how to play. So I think think it's okay to be Jose Mourinho. The other thing, Alex Ferguson wasn't that good. The other thing, I love the idea that you've just cracked babies. There's such a bloke attitude, like... It's not that hard. <laughs> you just come in. You know what I mean? Like, everyone worries about it. Remember, I've just cried. They t- cried twice. You've cracked parenting. Well, when I, when I say they're not that difficult to look after, like, my, my wife probably does a bit more work than me, and she knows all the things. Like, I sort of do what I'm told, but she knows all the times and how much food and all that. What you know, food all the, it needs. All the details. Yeah, all the How all you don't kill it. <laughs> yeah and like when it's she knows all the like when it's old enough to go to school all the the sort of laws of society logistics yeah right you know i I just sort of do what i'm told and but you know playing with a baby it's just so much fun and honestly there's so much fun there's like they're just so endlessly entertaining and full of joy and make life meaningful. I really recommend having lots of babies. And I think that's why there's so much depression and stuff in society. Like all, all the people um, that are alcoholics or depressed or whatever, they're, they're living sort of atomized, empty lives because they don't have babies. I know I so, am. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's so funny though. Your wife sounds like the manager. You're more like an employee in charge of fun. Fun department, Leo comes in and <laughs> <laughs> does the fun bits. Um, well, I, I, look, I'd do it maybe one day, Leo. I don't know. It's not It's not easy. First, you've got to find a girl. I mean, I did meet up with my ex-girlfriend yesterday, who is yeah. stunning. And uh, I think we're just friends now, though. But I was thinking, uh, well, and she's just broke up with someone. And so, yeah, maybe, you know, I was thinking, you know, maybe. Rebound. It's never going to happen. Rebo- rebound sex. No, it's not, I mean, it's never going to happen. So, you know, and it's quite hard. Because as you'll know, as a man, once you've gone out with a girl who's like, you find stunning, you, it's like, how do you get hit that level again? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I shouldn't admit this on the podcast, but there are levels and it's hard to, you've got to meet the same level. It's kind of like yeah. a job. You're not going to go and accept less pay, are you, in the next job? <laughs> Unless there's yeah, some other yeah. perks. I yeah. suppose in the analogy, oh, well, the perks would be they're a nice person. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah what, what if it's a job you enjoy <laughs> as opposed to a job that makes you feel horrible? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true. It's so hard, isn't it? Chris Rock had a bit about that years ago. Men cannot go back in yeah. you know, the word beginning with P. It's a crude word. We don't say on this podcast. But he said women can't go back in lifestyle. Men can't yeah, go back yeah, in yeah. P word. Brilliant bit. <laughs> so true. Because yeah. um, you mentioned this thing about people who feel no affiliation to the country, like recent immigrants won't fight. I've been seeing a lot of that on Twitter because there's been this stuff about conscription going around. And I've seen yeah. a lot of people saying, well, I wouldn't fight for Britain. It's quite interesting. Who would fight and who wouldn't? Though even... Yeah sort of people on our sort of team, like Carl Benjamin on the sort of whatever you want to call it, conservative side, whatever, he's, he's saying, why should we fight? Because it's woke. It's, you know, immigration services are declining. The country's declining. Why would I go and fight? And this all comes from, just for the context, from Sir General Sir Patrick Sanders, who's the head of the army, so he should know. But he says that uh, uh, we need a citizen army ready to fight war on land in the future and that an increase in reserve forces alone would not be enough. And he said, he highlighted the threat from Russia and he said, look, we need to be on a war footing. But then if you look at this guidance that came out, and people were tweeting this again, this actually came out in 2017, but it came out again, which was the army saying extreme right-wing indicators and warnings. Look out for individuals who describe themselves as patriots. <laughs> that was one of the things. <laughs> yeah, You'd hate yeah, to have yeah. patriots in the army, <laughs> wouldn't you? Um, oh, add, my God, yeah. Add Istan to British place names. That was one of my favorites. Make generalizations <laughs> about Muslims and Jews. Make inaccurate generalizations about the left or government. So what, saying the left or the government is good could get you out of the army because that's an inaccurate <laughs> generalization. Did you see that? It's complete madness. No, but that is, in, that is insanity. That is insanity. And, but uh, this, this is a sort of short-sightedness. Nobody ever seems to see the sort of unintended consequences of, I mean, for example, we were just talking about mass immigration but you know in this case the sort of suppression of any patriotism and the demonization of uh you know the the kind of men who who would fight for our country um it's uh at some point you might need that toxic masculinity you might need that patriotism and it's just been battered out for us and yeah why would like now that 
now that we're societies or, organized into tiers and you know the good people are these are progressive woke lefties with pronouns and stuff and the bad people are people who wave the union jack and whatever why would the people who wave the union jack want to go and fight to save these progressive lefties who hate them yeah it's interesting and i'm looking at like carl benjamin's twitter feed now and someone's saying this guy Mukhtar, since i'm a foreigner and invader according to the far right i'm going to sit the conscription out so he's sitting it out because he's he's labeled you know not as not british enough or something and then yeah. carl's saying he's sitting it out because i can't find a tweet now but it's to do with or the ex post but it's to do with you know we're in a country in total decline with immigration so why should we fight um oh yeah here we go he says um He's talking about heritage and values. So Carl says, why would anyone want to fight for this country in the state it's in? Why would anyone fight for Tony Blair's vision of the future? That's all they can promise you. More immigration, more debt, worse services, stagnant wages, decrepit towns, and they expect you to defend it. And someone's saying, you know, that's ungrateful because, you know, you, you got the heritage, you, you benefited from all these things, legal protections, blah, blah, blah. Carl said, you need to demonstrate that we have knowledge, perspective, heritage, values, legal protections, economic opportunities, and beneficial living standards. It seems to me that all of these things are under direct attack from the regime that controls our country. So there you go. So people on both sides feel like they have no stake in the country. What an incredible yeah. achievement to the point where we yeah. literally couldn't defend ourselves if we got attacked yeah. today. And even from a, from a sort of just um, objective point of view, what would be the point in going and fighting people to stop them coming into Britain? When people are coming to Britain on little boats every, every day, it's like, what? if we can't stop them then what's the point of trying to stop Xi Jinping? Right. And also, if Xi, if Xi Jinping came into Britain, I can see him bringing some values and bringing some, uh, you know, not that I'm a fan of uh, the Chinese Communist Party or anything, um, but I think you know, there would be some, some tweaking around the edges that would actually improve Britain. Yeah, it's, uh, you, you think uh, the, the answer is to be... Uh be like the communist party. I heard that you were, when you soon you said you're not a fan, I thought, yeah, yeah Leo wants the Chinese communist party. But yeah, it's, I don't know how <laughs> we get out not, of this. They're not my favorite communist party. <laughs> but I guess Cambodia is not going to invade us. Good point. I mean, yeah, that was a great point about the boats so though as well. Like people, Suella called that an invasion, Suella Bradman, and everyone went, ooh. But like, if we can't even stop that invasion yeah. of a few dinghies, these are dinghies yeah. with no weapons. How are we going to yeah. stop an invasion with actual weapons and, yeah. Submarines. Yeah, what's going to be what's going to be the rallying cry to get people to sign up? It's like go and go and die for go and die for this regime, so that we can keep importing grooming gangs to to the you know the economic zone that you're on yeah, off the that, coast of Europe. Die for colonizing Western imperialism, scum. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> the message, isn't it? Yeah, I know because we we don't have any Western value. This is why you still get behind Ukraine and I guess Israel and things. You're yeah. sort of sticking with the old-fashioned Western imperialism angle. Yeah, well, I'm a civilizationist, so it's not just Western imperialism like Japan. I consider part of that category. Australia, America, um, maybe not Canada anymore. Now that it's it's got it's turned into a sort of uh, um, hyper-communist um, state that executes children. Um, but yeah, I think civilization is there's there's certain uh, cultures that can sort of sustain civilization, it seems. So I'm all for them coming. I see them as as brothers, but people who you know don't have an interest in in civilization, who aren't going to return the shopping trolley, then I I don't see them as strengthening. Oh, you're talking about low trust societies where they don't they don't return the trolley. Yeah, there's yeah. been some funny memes and tweets about that or posts. God, I hate it. we have to keep them separate. Where there's yeah. a, a you, girl there's going, no, there's no Japanese people chucking a shopping trolley in a in a canal. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I know. It, it, you'd probably be killed. But yeah, it's yeah. I mean, you saw that there was a clip of a woman. I think it was in New England. Was it New England? And she was just going up and putting some money down, and there was just flowers there. And you put money down, you took them, and people were going like, "Wow, this is what we're." Some people were like, "How can you do this?" And other people were like, "This is what we're talking about." And there was that other clip, wasn't there, about um golf and skiing just people just leaving expensive equipment everywhere it's like yeah, it's yeah a high trust yeah. society i know yeah. so that's what we're losing shocking yeah it's quite depressing but but japan are in trouble as well though because birth rates again which is where we were before 1.3 japan i only said 0.3 on telly the other day which i annoyed myself but korea is <laughs> 0.8 japan 1.3 yeah. where Korea's at 1.5 one we worst. need 2.5 
Yeah, Korea's one of the worst. But the, the thing is, I mean, we're told that um, we need um, endless population growth. Uh, but it's because the basically the public debt, the, the GDP to debt ratio has to be kept within a certain certain bounds. So GDP has to keep going up to to you know keep the ratio with uh, with debt. Um, and the way to keep GDP going up is to keep inflating the population because every you know every person generates generates wealth. Um, yeah, but then but really per person kind of, you end up with less money. It's just an artificial stat. Oh yeah, it's it's a it's a stupid stat because yeah, per capita GDP um, goes down while you know you're inflating the number of people, um, and also it's a kind of it, it sort of exposes the lie of the climate change lobby. So we've got the government saying, oh, it's really important for us to to tackle climate change. And it's like, well, why do you want the population to increase then? Why are you importing people? If somebody comes to comes to the UK from Somalia, they stay in Somalia, their carbon footprint will be very low. Uh, if they come to the UK, their carbon footprint will be way higher. So the sensible thing to do would be com- to completely, you know, if climate change was actually a real thing that people were worried about, would be to, to stop uh, people coming in. Um, so that that just kind of exposes exposes the lie. And I think there's... Um, there's a lot because necessity is the mother of invention, and if we did have fewer people, I think there'd be a lot of advantages. There'd be more space per person. After the the Black Death uh, killed a third of the population, um, the following generation were actually a few inches taller um, or a few centimeters taller because they had more land per person, so they could have more food per person. So the standard of living actually went up with fewer people. Um, and I think we'd invest in because we wouldn't be have the the crutch of cheap labor to fall back on. We'd invest in productivity. We'd invest in technology that would, you know, increase GDP without having to to, to import people. But I'm hearing a slight contradiction earlier. You're talking about we need lower population, but you've admitted we need to get our birth rates up. So which one is it? Don't you just mean we need fewer less immigration? No, I mean like I don't think we do need higher population but we do need higher population to counter you know if the government is going to insist on having you know keeping the and if the the world the imf and everybody's going to insist that we keep our gdp to debt ratio within this narrow band then yeah we do need to keep inflating the population and we do need to replace the population i mean personally i think you know we should replace the population just to sort of reduce the incentive for politicians to say yeah we need open borders because we don't have enough people it's like, well, look at all these, look at all these new people that came out, came out of all these vaginas. Look, right. we don't, we've got loads of them. If we you, so your argument is it's, it's to inflate GDP and it's and, and keep the debt ratio, but we actually don't need them because of technology. See, someone, Dr. Paul Molan, was not convinced by the technology argument. He just thinks we need the number of people to stop us having this care home society where most people are dependents or too many people are. Yeah, and. To actually keep society going, Elon Musk has talked about not having the infrastructure to actually man our own societies. But you're more like AI will do that, but we just don't want too much immigration for social cohesion. Yeah, and I'm like, man, all right. So if we've got like a lot of old people and they need looking after, how did how did the Aborigines do it? You know what I mean? How did how is it done in societies that don't have the option of? unlimited open borders migration to, to bring people in to do those those jobs. You're saying families should go back to caring about each other? Well, actually, I was, I was saying more like, we just leave them in the desert. That's what the oh, Aborigines oh. did. Yeah. Oh, I get so, right. uh, Like the Eskimos or Inuit now, you, yeah. they're too, they can't keep up. Sorry, you're just in the yeah, snow. Yeah, sorry, we, we, we got to get a bit <laughs> Ayn Rand. Like, you know, there's got to be self, <laughs> self-reliance. And yeah, if you're, if you're just in a puddle or whatever, I don't know, like, I just, I just feel like um, we can't destroy civilization because some old people want to retire, age you know sixty two, and play golf and then have their their arses wiped. That's like That's... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, boomers. You already screwed things up for my generation. Now you die. Now it is time to die. <laughs> time to die. That's so Leo. I thought you were making a point about bringing back family values and compassion. It was actually a point oh. about brutal Darwinism. Leave have them. You, leave them. <laughs> have you met? Have you met my family? That is family no. values in my family. Oh, I my, see. My dad went into hospital, and my mum evicted him. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot you come from like the Scottish equivalent of like trailer park people. Sorry, Leah, that's, that, is, that is harsh. I've never met your family, but that just sounds mental when you explain it to me. It does sound kind of mental. Um, yeah, I mean that is. 
I mean, yes. We could, but I've never seen many 62 year olds want their asses wiped, to be fair. We're talking about people who are really old and can't do much, and there are, you know, there's going to be a lot of them. So, well, come on. I mean, this is the whole thing. The whole thing about COVID and lockdown was to save these, these people because it mostly affected old people. And it's like, why are we, why are we throwing it the whole, like, the whole of society on the, on the bonfire so that a 92 year old can get her arse wiped? It's just, we need to, we need to be sensible about this. And I'd love society. We've we've moved to a society where the state does everything for you, and I think we need to move back to self reliance. You know, look at the look at the American the Wild West, the frontier. There's no like, you know what I mean? There's no universal income. Well, if I read something on on Reddit the other day, Darius sent me this thing. Is this guy who hadn't left his house in five years? He's living in Berlin and he hasn't washed. And he's had no social contact. He just he orders food from a supermarket. He gets just delivered. Shave, no, no, oh. no. Even even more depressing. I mean, this this guy. I mean, he he hasn't washed or had social contact for five years. So he is the sort of person who'll walk into an open mic night and sign up to do five minutes. But um, but basically, the the reason he did it, an interesting little thing, was like, oh, I don't need to work because we get. Um, uh, neat, neat bucks. It's like not in education, employment, or training. Uh, so it's this like it's, it's basically like you know unemployment benefit. But anybody can get it in Germany. It'll pay for a little flat and it'll you know pay for your food and stuff. So it's basically universal basic in- income. And people think oh it'll free people to you know pursue their dreams. It's like no people will have no incentive to to leave the house. So it'll just they'll become dependent puddles of flesh sitting in a horrible flat waiting for death. Yeah, I tend to be with you on that. I tend to be fairly, I don't know if it's libertarian or what. I mean, Ayn Rand was an objectivist, slightly different. But yeah, I tend to be a bit more like that. And even in the Wild West as well, everyone was very polite because everyone had a gun and they would shoot <laughs> you very easily. So apparently it was like the most polite. Society. You know that Southern politeness that, that <laughs> there is? A lot of that's because everyone's yeah. got a gun. Hello, <laughs> man. I mean, you're taking your hat off. They're like, can I help you there with your groceries? It's like, don't shoot me. <laughs> so it's a great way. I think it was John McAfee said that. He's dead now, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, yeah, I like great the Wild man. West. Um, wanted to actually speak of the Wild West. What about the Tories lately? Um, that's a good link. I was gonna. I, I, I speaking check- of things that things that should be allowed to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I saw a, a post of um the two oldest. Rhino, or there's two white rhinos left or something, a particular type of white rhino, and they're guarded 24 hours a day. I was like, you need to guard the last two Tory voters 24 hours a day. <laughs> can we get, so them can to get them to breed? <laughs> yeah, because it's, 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 it's over. I mean, I just checked X right now just to see if there was a Sunak update, if he'd gone or something, because he could go any moment. You know, probably will last to the election. But there was this big story of this guy, Will Dry, who was a, a former uh, pollster for Sunak. He conducted polling for Sunak, and he quit in November 2023. And now he's working with this group. I don't know if it's the same group, the Conservative Britain Alliance. It sounds like it is. But it's a loose grouping of about a dozen former government political advisors and MPs who believe the Tories are doomed under Sunak's leadership. And he even helped draw up the questions this will drive for the recent YouGov poll that basically predicted the Tories are going to get absolutely spanked into oblivion. Mm. And he said some quotes that he said, it became clear to me we weren't providing the bold, decisive action required, do you reckon, to overcome those challenges. It doesn't say which challenges, it's out of context. But when it says you cannot dent them, and we all know the challenges he means, all the problems in the country you cannot dent them without internalizing just how fundamentally broken our political system is i further concluded again sorrowfully that the conservatives are heading for the most almighty of defeats being no doubt we are on course for at least a decade of labor rule if farage returns to frontline politics the conservative party essentially won't exist by christmas so this was this guy will dry's prediction and apparently this group is working with about 10 tory mps coming up with plans to remove sunak and suella may be one of them she's certainly thinks he he should go from what i've heard yeah. and simon clark also said that um rishi had to go and they'd lost key voters by being failing to be bold on immigration he got slammed in the whatsapp group of tories apparently but uh he, but he was obviously right what do you think yeah. i mean can rishi survive does it matter can the tories survive will farage come in for what are your predictions yeah i mean uh, it's hard to tell i mean rishi's been prime minister for a relatively long time um, for a Tory, yeah, <laughs> a yeah, Tory right. leader. Um, I don't. I mean, weeks. I, I think at the at the moment they've got nothing to lose by getting rid of him because they're they're heading for an absolute catastrophic defeat anyway. So you might as well roll the dice and see what happens. But yeah, they're 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 gone no matter what no matter what happens. And 
the trouble is, I mean, the, they don't really. There's no real difference between Starmer and Rishi, like between Labour and and the Tories. If anything, the, the Labour are sounding more conservative than the than the Tories, and I, I'm really dis- disappointed in the Tories for not really enacting any meaningful change. You know, when Labour came in in '97, they sort of they did a sort of root and branch reform of the the Home Office, made it all um, much more friendly. To, to the left, but 14 years after after the Tories got in, I mean, I know that, you know, at the start it was a coalition or whatever, so they didn't have, like, absolute power. They didn't have the sort of majority or the um, the, the sort of mandate that Tony Blair had. But they have the, the Home Office, all these uh, public sector bodies and civil civil service bodies are all absolute enemies of the Tory in any, any vision they've got. They could have gone in, like, you know, Trump goes in and like appoints i know it's different in america where you know you actually appoint the sort of the the equivalent of the head of the civil service but like they could have gone in and changed things and made it more tory friendly and left that sort of um so then even starmer would have had you know more of a tory steer on what what he does and they didn't they've just sort of sat at the top you know fluffing away and and not not really done anything look at the look at the small boats crossings if they'd gone in and made the made the civil service in their image and and doing what they want, then you know we wouldn't have the the issues with small boats and things. It is quite strange. It's like they're heading for this iceberg and they can't turn or refuse to turn. I get the impression sometimes Rishi is just part of him is almost happy for Starmer to carry on the project of kind of you know and the civil servants to just carry yeah. on because he sort of talks about long term economic decisions. We've got to be careful with inflation. It's like he sees himself as a economic sort of it's like an economic relay race where he just does the bend and I hand it over to you to continue what I'm doing with the economy it's like a kind yeah. of managerial temporary like a Sam Allardyce he's brought in as a temporary manager or something you know like in, in, that's another football analogy rather than yeah. it's like let's destroy what Labour did because it was crap and you know what I mean like a continuity candidate between yeah. the two parties or something yeah and why don't we listen to to what the people actually want it's weird that you know there's the same sort of sentiment in Britain um, as there is across Europe, I think people are, are sick of the sort of mainstream parties and really, you know, want something different. You see, reformer, you know, getting double digits in the in the polls, and I think if Farage joined them, it, you know, they'd wipe out the Tories. Um, but we're we're not seeing like we're still going to have a, a sort of left wing government after the next election. Whereas if you look at Germany, if you look at a lot of European countries. They've had a big lurch to to the right. And how far are we behind? I've been wondering, are we behind Europe, which is my claim? Are we just on a different trajectory to Europe? I don't know what it is. I think Europe, because um, they've, they've had you know more migration than us. And the, I mean, certainly in Germany, the, like the, there seems to be much more of a sort of overt establishment control in places like like Germany like they're talking about banning the AFD to preserve democracy and can you imagine if they came out and said we're going to ban UKIP to preserve democracy I mean that would be insane that would inflame everybody's emotions and everybody would vote for for UKIP so I think you know I guess the the establishment in the UK is a bit is a bit smarter um yeah I don't I don't really know why that is well yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, it, it, they'd probably get away with that here as well, to be honest. But yeah, I think there's a few reasons. I mean, proportional representation to me is the big one. You, you can't make headway course, with an IFD yeah. type party in this yeah. country. I also think the borders, like you say, they, they don't have an island, even though we can't apparently defend it. But, you know, if you're Belgium or something or whoever it is, Denmark now are quite top in immigration. You'll just be constantly under the threat of being invaded in these countries or yeah, Austria, yeah. whoever you are, Poland, you know. And even Germany now, you, I mean, they're usually the ones invading, of course, but you just think you, you, they have a different relationship to immigration. They have proportional representation. We also, I believe, have this, we have this fear of kind of anything with an ethnic element. We have this fear of yeah. Hitler. We don't want to be Hitler. So anything kind of far right so-called freaks us out. Whereas, yeah. you know, Holland's got hit, Wilders now. You've got the IFD in Germany. They're all not bothered. Whereas we're like, we can't be, we think Suella Bradman say maybe stop a dinghy is far right. So we're squeamish. <laughs> yeah. The sort of professional class is very yeah. squeamish about anything far right. So that's another reason I think. There's a host of reasons. So when I say we're behind. And I, think, I think Brexit, Brexit sort of, if we hadn't had Brexit, we'd maybe be on the, you know, a similar uh, trajectory. But Brexit sort of took the, took the sting out of, um, 
out of and, and the impetus from from that that movement. So right. yeah. Yes, as if we won, but we didn't actually win anything with Brexit. Yeah, and then yeah, all the Remainers doubled down and became very anti-patriotic. Yeah, and if anything, it, it made it worse. Yeah. Because, you know, we used to get, I guess, a lot more immigration from uh, from Europe and Eastern Europe. And, uh, you know, now that's changed and we're getting a lot more from, you know, the Sahel. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> we And we, so we maybe we shot our shot too soon. We need to save it up for this crisis rather than Brexit, which is like, you're looking yeah. at that going, the single market, what was this all about? Like, you're sort of thinking <laughs> this is more important, the survival of the country. But then again, the argument was yeah. Brexit was to get control of our borders so that actually we were getting ahead of this problem. Unfortunately, it hasn't led to that, but that was the theories. No. If that had worked, it would have been the correct thinking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So actually Europe's behind us because we did Brexit. But when I say we're behind Europe, I just mean in terms of, we haven't elected Farage yet. We haven't found a way yeah. to get him in. Whereas yeah, they've yeah. all elected their Farage, basically. Unless, yeah. Or unless they ban the AFD they have, or unless they stop builders. I don't know, has he managed to form a government yet? I don't know, he was struggling last time I checked. Yeah, or, or what they do, I mean, if they, if they don't form a cordon sanitaire, which is a real anti-democratic thing to do, you know, shutting a, a popular party out from decision-making, then, um, yeah, then they, they refuse to, to work with them. Um, I forgot what I was what I was going to say there. <laughs> sorry, it was, it was, I'm sure it was insightful. We'll come back to you in a minute. That's how it always works, especially at our age. Like, we're yeah. you're a bit older than me, but these things just come back to you late. You just have to trust that they'll come back suddenly when we're talking about something else. But yeah, yeah it's very interesting to see if we're. Where oh we're yeah, I was going to I was going to say like the yeah the <laughs> the um, elected right wing leaders in in Europe tend to then just suddenly it's like somebody has takes them to one side has a word with them and then they come out and they're like actually you know how i was all you know when i was getting elected i was totally right wing and stuff well now i'm just a centrist leftist so uh, you know like maloney for example yeah so yeah it's almost like they're they're saying it to get elected but it's the other way around from what it should be politicians should be like milder in the on the campaign and then when they get in they'll be like actually you know what <laughs> yeah yeah and you know what? That's that's right about Maloney, and that's also what Vilders has done a little bit. He says, "Now I'm going to govern for everyone." But then again, his policies were so extreme that even if he calmed down, it probably so. He was like, "No new mosques." Then he gets in. I'm going to tone it down. Five new mosques, you know. <laughs> but he's, yeah, this is actually what they do, and that's been my question about uh, Starmer, which I was about to ask you anyway. So it's a, it's a great time to ask you: Is, is he going to do that? Because I think well, I've got two ideas about Labour that contradict me. One is. They get in. Starmer's like, I'm really a far leftist. I'm a Pabloite, which he is, which is a subset of Trotskyism. He won't say this in the speech. And I'm going to just do loads of lefty things now. Leo Kurz <laughs> is going to prison for hate speech. I see a kind of very draconian, horrific Labour. And I, part of me thinks that'll happen. Another part of me thinks, oh, they'll just kind of carry on. They'll try and manage the economy. Or it could be both. They could have high growth or go for growth. I don't even know how to achieve it. But they could have like Thatcherite growth <coughs> policies combined with Nick and Leo are in prison. You know what I mean? Like, on, the, on the social <laughs> stuff, which would be a really weird mix. But I, that's one of my theories. I mean, I just think it could just be dystopian. This other thing, my second question, follow up, will they stay in for really long? Because this Will Dry guy says 10 years. Everyone's saying eight, 10 years or more. But my theory is Starmer's so bad and not Blair that actually he gets in and it's just so awful. He doesn't do the 10 years. He sort of, after five, he falls apart and Farage comes in. But that, maybe, I'm, maybe that's wishful thinking. I think, um, I think. I mean, things would have to get pretty bad for the, for the country to sort of um, like suddenly swing over to, to reform a Farage that far. Um, but um, I think a lot depends on the Tories. And I think the Tories are going to be sort of pushed to the right so much that they, that it could be ten years of a of a Labour government. I think it, the the Tories won't ha, won't have this sort of uh, Blairite sort of centrist electability for a while. You know how like after Blair got in, the Tories were like they had, they were called the Nasty Party for a while, and you had people like you know Michael Howard, yeah. uh, Ian Duncan Smith, who who were like um, was it actually was Ian Duncan Smith ever leader? He was leader, yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, leader. yeah. And there was, yeah, seen as you know this this nasty part. And it wasn't until David Cameron came along and was all like hug a hoodie that they became sort of plausible as a as a sort of um, a party again. Um, and maybe maybe the British people will change. But I think I think demographically we're looking at you know everything's against the Tories, especially if they if they move to the right. So I think things are going to have to get really bad before we then swing all the way back. And then I think we'll have somebody like a, a British Javier Malay 
coming. I think things could get so bad in 10 years of sort of lefty lefty Labour rule that we will need a Javier Malay to come in and, uh, and, and swipe everything away. Afuera! Yeah, <laughs> we'll love that clip. Yeah, yeah, we could, we should do that. Now I was looking at, I was thinking the other day, we, what, what is the need of this government equality? There's all these equalities committees, and I'm just thinking of where every time I see a, a body that doesn't need to exist, you know, a civil service thing, the government yeah. equalities something or other was the other day, and I just thought, afuera to all that shit. Yeah, we don't need any of it. But um, yeah, it's, it, that's what I think. Things, things, things will get so bad. But I think Farage is our melee, and that's what will happen. And he'll come in when it gets so bad. Depends yeah. on his age, you know. He's, he said to me once he'll be too old, but I, I I don't think my thing is Starmer messes up so quickly that it's five years and Farage gets in. But maybe that's just my hope. It yeah. is interesting. and I think I think a lot of Labour voters were actually will be upset with uh, with um, Starmer uh, to probably more upset than you know right wing people will be because you know Starmer's going to have to be pretty much just like the Tories sort of uh, actually, you know, manage the, the... It's not like the Tories have been... Everybody talks about, oh, austerity. There hasn't been any austerity. Are you mental? Like, they're spending so much money, taking on so much debt. It's, it's, there's so much we could slash. How is there an arts council? How, how are there diversity... 10,000 diversity and inclusion staff across the public sector? How are the councils, like, you know, getting so bloated and having all these, like, policy departments and... All this, you walk into, uh, they, they should just be fixing the roads, running the schools, like picking up the bins. Like they don't need all these other people to, to sit around. It's like a sort of Keynesian stimulus, like an, a sort of employment program for uh, for people who did terrible degrees. Yeah, it's funny, uh, austerity. I mean, austerity really means no welfare state. You know what I mean? Like it, it could yeah. be so much worse and more brutal. And you'd love it because it'd be really Darwinian. But yeah, I, I, do, I do remember that period of Michael Howard and all that. I remember watching This Week a lot, the BBC One show with Andrew Neil. I always say to Michael Portillo, so Michael Portillo, another crisis in the Tory party. And it was just crisis every week. And it was just like, yeah. they, they were absolutely in, in the wilderness, absolute oblivion. And they did come yeah. back with Cameron, who sadly, the only way Cameron made his career, if you watch Peter Hitchens' documentary, The Toff at the Top, which you can still find on YouTube and stuff, he, um, he's, he had all these conservative policies as a young person, tried to get his politics. It didn't work. People didn't take to it. He just flipped on everything went, right, I'm a big libtard now. And that's how he, <laughs> that's how he did it. And, and it, it worked for him. And when he came in, everyone said, oh, he's too young. And then he just won easily. He's like, no, he's not too young. That was nonsense. And yeah, yeah. He, he got them back in power. But only as the heir to Blair, self-proclaimed at a private dinner, copying Blair anyway. So yeah, to actually get anything conservative, because like you say, they... That's still that one nation side that people seem to vote for. Yes, it would have to be immigration gets so bad and everything gets so bad, the economy and anything else that even Labour people silently vote for something else, right? That's basically yeah, yeah. what you're talking about. And the, the other thing about immigration is that it does tilt the scales in favour of uh, in favour of the left. So, oh, yeah. I mean, this is even admitted. I think Peter Mandelson in 2013 admitted that part of the reason... Um, Labour decided to, to open the open the borders was to rub the right's face in it and tilt the long term electoral scales in favour of the Labour Party. It, it, what that quote wasn't Mandelson, but yeah, he was probably right. involved. That quote was a different guy. Rub the right's face in diversity. I think it was Andrew something, but yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It, but yeah, that was disgusting. Yeah, and, and also like you said, demographically, young people don't vote conservative, so we're screwed on that as well. Not that I vote conservative. Who who would you vote for, Leo? If you want to reveal it, like if you, because in your what, what in your local seat, d- does any candidate on our side have a chance? Uh, man, I don't even know what it is. Where where uh, it's probably Lib Dem or something. Um, but my ideal candidate would probably be uh, Javier Malay or Judge Dredd. <laughs> All right, we'll see if any of them are standing in. I don't know the docks where you are, but you're in a posh area of London where Judge Dredd probably won't be standing, but. Mine's just yeah. going to be Labour, definitely. So all I can do is a protest vote for reform or some other. My thing is just go to a place, look for most right-wing party, tick box. That's good. That's my <laughs> thing. But it's a simple formula for any, anyone can follow. But I think yeah. voting reform would send more of a message. I might do that rather than vote like Christian People's Alliance or something. Because that, <laughs> that's what I did last time. Because I'm not going to win anyway. So I was like, right, I'll just vote for my, whatever I want. But maybe I'll yeah. just vote reform just to send a message to the toy. That's about all you can do, isn't it, really? I think, yeah. In London, anyway. Um, so I don't know where to go with these other Tory things because they were quite minor. Like Kemi's odds three to one to be leader. Farage was twenty five to one, which is quite impressive. Good, he's not even in the party. Um, my mate put um, my mate put I think a hundred quid 
on Kemi being uh, the Tory leader at some point. He got 200 to 1 odds. They put the bet on a long time ago, obviously. But, so he'll, he'll be coining it. And he, he's all, the annoying thing is he's already rich. Do you think, do you think external um, like ge- world geopolitics could really influence the next sort of 10 years in Britain, though? Because we're seeing America, like if Trump gets in, America is going to be really isolationist. It's going to pull back from, from Ukraine. It's going to pull back from possibly NATO. Um, I can see the, you know, the UN and all these sort of global organizations that, you know, they do serve a purpose, but they're also kind of shit and, and woke um, and, you know, ruining things for a lot of people. But I can see the world really changing and America going from this sort of, you know, pillar, this sort of moral pillar in the world um, to the world being multipolar and having like these amoral countries like China and Russia who you know don't aren't beholden to any sort of human rights um, laws then having a lot of influence in Russia possibly um, being able to invade and certainly influence countries in Eastern Europe well do you see that happening if Biden gets in or Trump who's going to be worse for that obviously Biden because Trump there was peace on Trump but what's your answer <laughs> no, I think, ah, oh man, you know what? Like, it could really, it could really create a civil war in America because if Biden gets back in, man, you know it was bad last time with you know Trump and everybody. It's not like everybody's just going to be, like, oh well, hey, I guess Biden won. I'll just uh, go back to doing what I was doing. It's like people are going to be really, really, really angry. And if yeah. Trump gets in, then all the progressives are going to be super, super angry. And Trump's going to be much more of a sort of, uh, even says he's like out for revenge. He's like, I am your retribution. retribution. That's not the words of a a leader who's going to bring the country together. Well, he did say be a dictator, but only on day one, which is not bad. (laughs) We'll drill, baby, drill. Then he said, we'll stop the border, we'll drill. I mean, I'd love a Trump dictatorship at this point, but yeah, not not for everyone. This is, I mean, (laughs) it could kick off. I mean, you've seen Greg Abbott in Texas put out this yeah. statement. That is a real development. I mean, not that I fully understand it yet, but basically he says the federal government has broken the compact between the United States and the states. The executive branch of the United States has a consti- constitutional duty to enforce federal laws protecting states, including immigration laws on the books right now. President Biden has refused to enforce those laws and has even violated them. The result is he has smashed records for illegal immigration. So he basically ends up saying that, the, it's too long to read, but he, he ends up saying that essentially Texas will defend its border sort of unilaterally. He says, uh, I've, I've declared an invasion under Article 1, something 10, Clause 3, I can't probably read it, to invoke Texas's constitutional authority to defend and protect itself. That authority is the supreme law of the land and supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. The Texas National Guard, Texas Department of Public Safety, and other Texas personnel are acting on that authority as well as state law to secure the Texas border. So Texas yeah. is like, sounds like it's on the verge of like seceding I'm just gonna. Texas has always been a bit like and, this. Go on. And they, they've sort of they've sort of called for assistance from other states. I mean, I don't know if this is just sort of brink, brinksmanship or whatever, but I mean, it does seem quite um, like a lot more serious. I don't understand why Biden is interfering with Texas, trying to trying to like secure the border. Like, I just don't understand what's the incentive for the Democrat administration, unless they, they've just they're just guided by the sort of ideology that says oh yeah more diverse people coming across oh well that's good because diversity you know what i mean like it just seems dumb because um immigration the southern border is now like the number one issue for voters in america especially you know the undecided voters who are going to decide the election well isn't it it just to get voters for them like you said before aren't they just importing voters yeah but i mean that's they should be worried about winning the next election Never mind, like an election in like eight years' time, when these voters, these people coming in, are being naturalized and have their have their polling cards. I just think it's it's such a it's such a bad look. And also, Texas, like these states in America, are so big and so powerful. They're like way bigger and more economically powerful than countries in in Europe. And um, yeah, like uh, like Texas is like to to stop it, you know. To, to stop the will of the state in protecting its borders just seems, man, that's such a bad, such a bad move, such a bad look. Well, when people like Victor Davis Hansen 
analyzes it, he always just says this far left Democrat party just doesn't have the votes. They know they don't have the votes in the country because they've been right. taken over by the far left of their party. So they have right. to find votes anyway. And one place they do it is immigration, legal and illegal. And they just try and get as many votes as they can. And I would add yeah. dodgy election stuff as well. But but DeSantis has already uh, defended Texas and, and supported them with um, saying Florida will stand behind them. I'm not sure if Trump's commenting on it yet, but that could really kick off. I mean, Texas has always been a bit like this, the Lone Star State. It, they've always been a bit like a separate country, haven't they? But it could really... Yeah. That could be like proper civil war in America. Who knows, man? I mean, that sounds stupid just saying proper civil war. Tim Pool predicts it every week on his show. I mean, it's not that far off, is it? And- yeah, and I think I think social media, we're living in a really different time to like the 90s when you're sort of just dependent on these these pillars of uh, information, like the newspapers and, and, and news on TV. Now you can go and seek out and find all kinds of lunatics just talking, talking shit. So... We've got a much more. Like this, you've seen the same thing happen in uh, in sex because people can now find other people who like dressing up as furries and you know having sex like that. It's now become a thing because people can find communities and you know then it it burgeons. So the same thing's happening with esoteric political beliefs. Yeah, it's a good point actually. Yeah, a lot of this is because you can spread bad ideas on Twitter very fast. Mm. Now X, yeah, I mean that. You, I think, I think, I think Twitter Now X is a huge part of how our world's become so skewed towards strange minority opinions. The whole trans movement can't really survive without something like that. I, yeah, I think that is, mm. I think that is huge. And what do you think about Nikki Haley? I just want to ask you because um, Vivek Ramaswamy posted, "Don't take it just from me." Here are direct quotes from the Wall Street Journal editorial board tonight. It's all hiding in plain sight, and they said, "If she can remain competitive, that's an argument for Miss Haley to stay in the race." through the July convention, Mr. Trump faces a treacherous legal road. Miss Haley could stay in the race, rack up delegates, and see what happens if he is found guilty. Strange things can happen with candidates who are this old and this disliked by a majority of the public. The 2024 election may have more twists before the Trump versus Biden die is cast. I just see it like, hey, strange things can happen. It'd be a shame if something happened to you. It's a nice guy. (laughs) So basically, like they're saying, keep Haley in the race, even though she's rubbish, because she's their neocon, neolib candidate. Just in case yeah. anything happens to Trump, falls down the stairs. Isn't that kind of super dodgy? Yeah, but also, I mean, like Trump, everybody's talking about it. Like Trump's a done deal. Oh, he's definitely get the going to get the Republican nomination. He's definitely man. That, that guy's got like ninety odd lawsuits against him. It's like he could he could get taken down. He could get taken down at any moment if one of the you know the federal or you know the criminal lawsuits. Um, uh, hits, then that could be a real problem for him. Um, also, he is old. I, I was watching him the other night. I was like, "Damn, this is the first time I've seen Trump looking old." You know, he was all even though he is old, he, he always had that sort of energy and that youthful vigor, uh, especially compared to Biden. But yeah, he was actually kind of looking like old, old. Um, so, and obviously, with such a febrile atmosphere, you could have a you know. A, a, a Lee Harvey Oswald or whatever. It's it's man, and anything anything could happen. Uh, or you know, the, the Clintons could decide that you know Trump wants to Epstein himself. So anything anything could happen. <laughs> definitely can't what... say that on anything any platform. This is going out. We're definitely can't say that on YouTube. And we'll probably <laughs> and we're also under threat ourselves when you say that. We don't want to end up on the the Killary list. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like I, I think at the moment, like, because the the best thing for the Republican Party would probably be, as much as I love Trump, I think you know his attitude to to Ukraine is dumb, and you know this time round, it's like if he's going to do all this stuff, why didn't he do it when he was president before? You know what I mean? He didn't. He he was like a high spend, you know, pub, he was increasing the debt and everything. So yeah, he, he didn't do it when he was around. I, I think. Um, like Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis would be an excellent president. Uh, I think he's, he's got proven, he's got a proven track record of, of actually fixing this stuff, like and going to battle with wokeism and you know making it better. And he's 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 popular in his in his state, and he like increases his majority at each election. I just think the Republican Party, because they're driven by revenge and they're driven by you know everybody wants to be the the most like. They've sort of they've they've looked a gift horse in the mouth. Nikki Haley, 
if she if she was up against Biden, apparently she'd she'd be seventeen points clear. Trump is currently two point nine points uh, clear in the polling. Um, so yeah, you just lost our whole him. audience. Rory did this with his never Trumpism. Trump, it has to be Trump. Trump gets in, salts the earth, destroys everyone. It has to be Trump. The Trump narrative. I mean, they'll do everything to stop him, like you say, and probably kill him. So it may not be happy. They'll yeah. give him a dodgy diet Coke. I mean, he'll be, yeah. he needs to get people tasting everything before he eats it. But yeah, Trump, I, I'm team Trump all the way. I've never, I've never wavered, never been DeSantis. DeSantis didn't have what it takes, didn't have the charisma. You're going up against one of the famous, most famous men of all time, the most famous guy in the world, and you're just a bloke who's good at policy. He could have been the behind-the-scenes Bannon guy. He can't be the frontman against someone like Trump. You can't beat that charisma. I, I actually think, like, Ron DeSantis, he's got a gravitas. I think he's got, you know, he speaks really well, and he knows his stuff. He's a details guy. And Trump isn't a details guy. Trump is a kind of, you know, a, a Borisy guy. Yeah, he's so, the Gordon Brown to Tony Blair, DeSantis. How can you... Yeah. What, how do you explain then, Leo, why he got... If he's so good, why he got spanked and why his campaign was so bad? Yeah, but people are caught up in this, you know, it's 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 a fever, this this sort of Trumpism, and they want they want revenge. It's all about revenge and retribution. And to be honest, Biden, the Democrats, they brought this on themselves. They they could have Biden could have got in, and he could have been like, "Listen, I'm going to govern for everybody. You know, you people over here, you're actually uh, you're actually all right, and you know, you've got some legitimate concerns, and I'm going to stand up for the you know the regular you know blue collar." American guy, and you blue-haired university gender freaks, you know what? You can you can just get back in your box, because what you're talking about is stupid communism, and you all should get a job and, and move on. And he could have he governed for the whole country and showed some balance. Instead, oh my god, every opportunity to have like, you know, um, uh, transgender tits flashed at the, on the White House lawn. Every opportunity to have some sort of humiliation ritual and rub you know, the straight white man's face in it. It was just, you know, it was ridiculous. Yeah, and I knew this. The Dems are totally captured by the left, as Victor Hansen said. I knew it was going to happen. How did Sam Harris not know? How did American commentators say, oh, the adults are back in the room? And of course they yeah. weren't. I knew that Biden was an avatar of communism. I knew that yes. Biden was the end of the American presidency. He's the end of yeah. America. When they got in, I don't believe they won the election. Then they got in. To me, it's been the that's the end of America. I've always seen it in those terms. Other people are like, oh, he's no, he's sensible. I'm like, no, no, he represents the end of, of American democracy. And I don't I don't believe he's legitimate. Not my president. I've always said I can't even vote there anyway. It's <laughs> just an English guy. But you know, he's definitely not my president. Um, I'm team Trump. I'm team revenge. Um, maybe we got we got maybe <laughs> team revenge. <laughs> we got maybe time for one more topic. If you have time, would you rather yeah. do DEI and woke? what's going to happen to it this year or get yourself in trouble and me in trouble with the Bob cartoon story. Yeah. I mean the DI and woke fun off. I've just, I've just been recording a video about it from my YouTube channel and it's going to be like, man, it's going to be like an hour long. It's ridiculous. But this is, this is the year that DI and woke is, is kind of breaking. It's uh, you know, part of it's to do with um, the, the response to the Israel war. So that woke people up to the fact that, you know, all these sort of, um, uh, dry academic terms like decolonization that sounded like, oh, yeah, no, that's that's a good idea. Oh, actually, it means, uh, you know, cutting babies out of pregnant women or whatever. And then you've got Harvard professors and Penn State professors being like, this is good. What Hamas are doing is good. And I think that that woke people woke people up to it. Although it's a shame that after, you know, these diversity nutcases have been, you know, pushing a, a real anti-white agenda for years and nothing happened. If any white person complained, it's like, oh, you've got white fragility. And it took anti-Semitism for the world to wake up. And I'm like, well, thanks, guys. I guess I know where I stand as a white guy. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> yeah. That's what pisses me off. I've, I've, I've said that a lot. It's like, yeah, I'm great that you don't like anti-Semitism just being rampant and horrendous. <laughs> but um, Kai, what about us? Yeah, yeah. They didn't care. Yeah. They don't really care about but us. They didn't care about us at all. Go on. And some some of the stats from from the hiring since you know George George Floyd died. So George Floyd is a cat uh, or fentanyl uh, abuser who yeah who, who he died. He said I can't breathe and, before he was on the ground, and the opt- autopsy yeah, shows it, no sign it was murder. It wasn't murder. It was it was gross. It, Derek showed and he was actually for no reason. We know he, he was in the he was in the police car, and he, he wanted to get out of the police car, and yes, yeah, so they they let him out. So yeah, I mean, but for some reason, his death, like the death of this criminal in minneapolis means that hr departments in carlisle 
have to you know implement all these anti-white policies it's like what yeah. what are you talking about it's mental but the the hiring statistics are insane and they, they brag about it bloomberg had this thing uh, there was like 94 percent of new hires since 2020 have have been to have gone to uh, non-white people or diverse people and it's like well that's not something to brag about that means you're really explicitly uh, discriminating against you know, white people because only six percent of your new hires were were white people, and that's insane. They're obviously, you know, trying to fit. They're they're only advertising to you know certain demographics. They're only interviewing certain dem- demographics and hiring them, and so they're not hiring based on ability. They're hiring based on you know whatever skin color, or whatever other immutable characteristic the person's got. So now we're entering a period where that comes home to roost and we're, we're having a post-competence society. And it's hard to draw, you know, direct causal links, but, you know, plain doors seem to be falling off. In fact, the FAA, the Federal Air, uh, Aviation Administration that handles air traffic control, they had a big diversity push. And now they've, got, they've just reported an 83% increase in runway incursions. And it's like, man, can we not go back to hiring based on who's going to be good at the job. Yeah, so we don't all die in a plane crash. I know, yeah. I know. I think it's, it's fine for ad, adverts and stuff. Like, you know, you turn on the TV, it's like, <laughs> oh, there's no white guys. Hey, I, you know, all right, it's a bit of a humiliation, but, you know, whatever you want to do, like, that's fine. But I'm never going to die because an advert is too diverse. I'm never going to die because they, they hired, like, they didn't hire the best actor. Good point. Tough for actors, but um, worse to die in, in a flaming ball of fire yeah. because of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It is struggling. Bill Ackman, who is a lefty, has come out radically against it, calling it inherently racist. He is yeah. funding Dean Phillips, his preferred Democrat candidate, to the tune of $1 million. And it was so funny because he said it, it, DEI disappeared completely from Phillips' website. I've said this before. And um, Ackman was like, and, and Phillips was like, no one's forced me to do it. And Ackman was like, let's see what Dean thinks when he gets educated on the topic. Let's just see what he says. Here's a million dollars. It's like totally like, but let's see what he says. Like, so it's obviously he's like, I'll fund you a million dollars, but you have to take the AI off. And the guy, he's, so he's, he used the woke term of educate. He says, I, I thought the same as Dean, but let's see when he educates himself, like, what he thinks, if he wants a yeah. million dollars. Let's see what he thinks. So he took it off. And that's where it's going. And Elon Musk, of course, is against it. But, he, yeah. but oh, although, oh, although Tesla have just got a DEI department just a few months ago. So they finally, because I mean, to, to be able to access ESG funds, I think a third of uh, global assets are under uh, ESG management now. To, so to get that funding stream, you've, you've got to abide by the, the DEI rules. And there's actually, um, there's other sort of commercial incentives for companies to implement DEI. Because even though it makes your company less efficient, it creates a barrier uh, for entry for new companies. So right. if new companies have to raise the money to also set up a DEI department and have all that, it's going to reduce any sort of cost advantage a new company could, could have. I always wonder where the DEI money is coming from because you're not generating it from your company. It's just like fake money. I always thought it's like, is it just fake money from the Democrats? I always think Democrat donors or something. I think some of it is that. It's like Democrat. You could you tie it back and you look, it's this company, this company. Oh, and it's run by Hillary or something. But I always wonder, like, we're just going to hand you out all this money if you do this, even though you don't have to run your company properly. It is a kind of communism oh, that can't last. Well, companies companies self fund it, so you know it comes from you know their their corporate spending. But in the in the public sector, I mean the uh, the Pentagon spends like it's over a hundred million dollars a year on DEI. So yeah, then you know a lot of taxes are going to. Um, are going to this this app, and also like the DEI then just gets in the way of uh, like in the UK we lose like over a million working days a year in the public sector, which you know obviously it's the public sector, so that doesn't actually mean that much work. But you know they're losing so so much time because people get dragged along, to have to go to these stupid diversity training schemes, and then if you roll your eyes or if you ask a question, you get fired. HR departments have like so much power now; it's it's ridiculous. And it's like HR departments are just staffed by angry, childless white women who, you know, want to take revenge on all the men who who pumped and dumped them. Yeah, that's what it says in the job recruitment ever. Um, do you want to take revenge on the men who pumped and dumped you? Join our HR <laughs> department. It's you're basically saying it's a load of Karens. Well, but what about will it survive in 2024 DEI? Because Price Waterhouse Cooper was another example. They were forced to amend their language about a. It was a very small amendment, but they did say, okay, we can have some white people on our internship program. 
we see this pushback, but like you say, Tesla still has it. And I didn't know that Mark Cuban defending it, even though Elon Musk destroyed him in the in the debate on X. So, you know, it's it's falling apart a little bit. At the same time, we're going to have labor in this country. So is DEI going to, is what, you know, how, how much worse is what going to get or DEI going to get this year or when labor gets in, sorry, towards the end of the year? It, yeah, it, you know, I mean, it kind of, it kind of depends how how they play it because uh, Keir Starmer, a lot of the noises he's making, they're quite thin on policy. That Keir Starmer could come in and be like, "Yeah, you know what? This DI stuff is dumb. It's bullshit. We're gonna we're gonna slash it. Labor's about you know looking after the people," and he is making a lot of noises like that. So, but then if you he look, he kneels for Black Lives Matter, didn't he? Though, yeah, but it was you know it was then, not now. I don't know if he'd do that now, but probably only because he's seen that it could be unpopular. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, he's going to be horrendous. Well, you probably have to go. So we don't have time to talk about the Bob cartoon, which means that um, probably people just think we all lo- loved it. My, I don't know if people saw this. Bob did this cartoon. People call it anti-Semitic. My overall take is I love Laura Dodsworth, great person. She shouldn't have got tagged the police in it. Then again, they shouldn't have all attacked Laura for being not pure enough. Didn't love the cartoon, but you should be free to do an offensive cartoon. That's my basic summary on that. Did you follow well, yeah, any she- of that? She shouldn't have tagged the police because the police will probably come after her for being like uh, for for not being diverse and accepting of uh, of an anti-Israel point of view. <laughs> the police seem to be very relaxed about people being anti-Semitic. Good point. And the only funny thing about it is you've got this side now where they get so extreme. They're so black. I mean, I'm like more out there than like you know from like Toby who I do the podcast with, but Toby Young, but. But then again, you get these people so much further out there than me. They're so red-pilled. They become very black-pilled. Everything has to be the most extreme explanation. <laughs> yeah. And someone like Bob, he seems to me, he had a job at the Telegraph, and he's a great cartoonist, but it seems to me he got very angry about lockdown, as many of us did. And then he kind of just went further down that, that hole. And some, some of his cartoons are great, and some, to me, are kind of off. But the ones I don't like are where it's like everyone's controlled opposition, and he does a picture about that. That reminds me of David Icke, who was posting like, Alex Jones has just controlled opposition. Like Alex Jones has controlled opposition. He was sued for the GDP of France. Like you know what I mean? He can't do anything. Like the guy's not on any platform now. He's finally back, but because he's finally back on X, he's controlled opposition. It's like really, David. Yeah. Everyone's controlled opposition except you. Is that your position? It's absolutely ridiculous. Isn't that ridiculous? And everyone's just fake and yeah. controlled. Elon Musk, he said, is controlled opposition. Really? Lost yeah. loads of money to buy Twitter. Do you think? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Just before I go, I'll just say because I worked on a David Icke uh, conspiracy theory lecture at Wembley Arena, and so I was a, I was a backing dancer for him. Uh, you can see a video on YouTube. Um, but uh, yeah, his his conspiracy theory lecture was just none of I, I couldn't believe people were paying like fifty quid or sixty quid for a ticket, and he's just standing there for like hours and hours and hours and hours, just talking. Like you could just see bits where he'd watch the Matrix. So he puts in the Matrix. None of it fit, fitted together. He said, like, everything we perceive as reality is a, is a hologram and it's beamed to us from the rings of Saturn. And it's like, well, what? The, the, ring, the rings of Saturn are, aren't real. They're a hologram as well. It's like, man, none of it, none of it made sense. It's like, yeah. at least be consistent. At least have your internal world, you know, follow some sort of logic. I find him interesting. I like the fact this. this- former footballer and football pundit suddenly had a spiritual experience and started questioning things and kind of, you know, that is interesting to me. But then you get to a certain point where it's just like, everything's fake, everything's controlled opposition. It's like, you've kind of yeah. jumped the shark a little bit. That's my problem with that. Um, yeah. All right, you've got to go. Where, where, where can people find you, Leo, in life? Uh, on on YouTube. I've got a YouTube channel. It's closing in on 100,000 subscribers. Nice. So I'm about to drop a video about... Um, drop a video that's who you've turned into about to upload (laughs) upload a video about uh, DEI and the rise and fall of the diversity gurus yeah your videos do really well man of course at Leo Curse on X as well and if you've got you've got a Patreon and stuff people can go to yeah that that would be great yeah, go well, to I, yeah, I do. I do make some money. I do make some money from it. So yeah, give me money because I love. I like. I really love money. Yeah, I probably love it that. more than. I probably love it more than other people do. So they should give me money because I'll get true. more. Jo- It'll mean more to you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. just before you go and give Leo money, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Nate Dixon. <laughs> I mean, I've sold it badly because people think I'm going to just like living high on the, the hog on their money. But really, it's just, it's just to keep the podcast going. There's loads of costs with the, my, all my podcast. Most of it goes on yeah. that. So buymeacoffee.com slash Nate Dixon if you want to help us keep all this stuff going. NickDixon.substack.com. I'm posting way more now. So please go there as well. Go to Leo's YouTube. And how's your GB News show going? 
It's going on. I mean, it's not getting great viewing figures, but I think it's a fun show. I'm going to do it soon. I promise you. And I say, if you do this podcast, I will do it. So now I have to. So I yeah, will definitely. do it soon. And then you'll see your viewing figures go through the roof, mate. <laughs> but, um, all right. Thanks for doing the show again, mate. Cheers. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick.